If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one that enjoys a good strawberry rhubarb, a crumble pie, Travis. And I'm the one that would eat any dessert, even if it was a cake, a pie, and a flan blended together into some kind of a nasty dessert soup, Jordan. Uh, and you probably have done that. Well, I haven't done that specifically, but I have uh, microwaved a whole batch of cookie dough. <laughs> it made me real sick. But as, I would do as it. As it should. <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. Cleaning your dingy dungeon with the veneer of cube slime for incredible games. <laughs> uh, if that wasn't a hint as to what we're talking about today, well, we're talking about monsters. Our first monster episode, the big square slimy one, gelatinous cube. <laughs> yeah, going back to uh, the some of the original monsters of D&D, we kind of hoped that we wouldn't dive into a rabbit hole of... <laughs> research that we usually do we thought okay gelatinous cube that's simple it doesn't have all the lore of dragons or vampires or anything like that <laughs> it's just a cube of goo how hard can it be <laughs> we still found an unreal amount of information that related back to gelatinous cubes so we're going to try and and cover all of that today a couple of the interesting things that we came across there is a lot more to digest with gelatinous cubes because like gigantic single-celled amoebas, the real world is full of lots of examples of these wild creatures that have just grown to epic proportions. In one instance in Texas, in a cornfield in Texas, they found a 40-foot-wide colony of spores that was wow. all working together to survive and live. Just a mass of goo. Yeah, and it was sitting underneath the, the vegetation there. And it was one of the largest spore colonies ever found. So, and then it was destroyed by rain the very next day. So that's the largest found, but that means that anyone could have in their backyard a big uh, gelatinous cube under the surface just waiting? Well, pretty much, because, yeah, like you said, that's the ones that we know about. Um, there was another example of a massive single-celled amoeba that grew to one inch across inside the fish tank of Menfred Schliwa. Uh, who was a cell biologist at Berkeley. So there's probably massive ones in the ocean or something. Oh, yeah. There's there's weird shit that we do not know about. And I do need to ask, did a wizard make it? <laughs> or did Jewiblex, the uh, demon lord of goo, make it? Yeah, it could be a gift from Jubilex. Yeah. I always forget what he's the demon lord of. Oozes, I guess. Snot. He's the demon lord <laughs> yeah. of snot. All uh, right. So today we're going to actually go through our, some of our segments instead of just freewheeling it. And our first one's going to be Archives of the Ancients, where we're going to theorize some properties of gelatinous cubes from the real world. And then we're going to hop into Strategy Stateroom and look at how they can be utilized in game and really look at, yeah, how DMs and players can kind of approach them. And then we go into Lamash 2's Breeding Pit, where we come up with a couple of cool mechanics for gelatinous cubes that you can add. It'll really throw your players for a loop if you're a DM and uh, just mess with you if you're a player. Cool, let's get into it. This is the Archives of the Ancients, 
where knowledge is unearthed to add wild insights to our world. Okay, so to kind of level set everyone with what the gelatinous cube is, maybe you're unfamiliar with it. So it's a 10 foot by 10 foot cube of translucent ooze. It's thought to be mindless, and it was created by Gary Gygax in 1977 with the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's an original intention was basically is just kind of a semi-sentient, spewy, sludgy trap that players would walk into and get acid melted away (laughs) into the dark night (laughs) or saved. (laughs) Yeah. One of the two. If you consider some of the details of that, it's a huge mass of liquidy jello. So that's about 50,000 pounds. Yeah, it's absolutely monstrously heavy. It's always depicted as having kind of a green tinge in a lot of art, which I think is a little bit misleading. Yeah. And I think that's why players maybe aren't terrified of it because it's really hard to spot. Yeah, and it's really but it's really hard to draw an invisible cube. Also true. <laughs> so I get why the art does that, but yeah, it's a DC 15 perception check to spot, which is pretty high above the average person. Yeah, so, so you might see like a glisten if you're really really perceptive. Mhm. Like I was saying, it's mindless, and it's got an intelligence of one, which is the lowest you can have. Like our Uncle Gerald. (laughs) (laughs) Did some weird things. Uh, But this is even lower than that. This is like nothing but the desire to consume. Sure. And it doesn't do that intelligently. (laughs) (laughs) There is a glimmer of intelligence, because even though jellyfish don't have brains, and this this is true... Jellyfish that do not have brains have been studied to migrate. Now, tell me, how does something without a brain have a migration pattern? Uh, Some kind of jelly instinct patterns in there? Some kind of wires (laughs) that... (laughs) Well, kind of, sort of, actually. There is uh, microscopic algae inside the cells of jellyfish that want to follow the sun. So, yeah, the jellyfish would actually, there's a a specific lake in Palau in the Pacific that these jellyfish have been studied and recorded to actually follow migration patterns. Well, that's some weird stuff. That's like plant level intelligence, though, because like plants bend towards the sun, too. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) That doesn't defend their intelligence at all. But that is pretty cool. So So you you could play them as having some kind of a migration or instinct within the dungeons that they roam. Absolutely. Yeah, you could play them as more or less being intelligent enough to not consume their own kind of food source. So they might move throughout a dungeon and allow certain like moss and lichen, which it might consume off the walls and the floors, to regrow. So in that sense, it might have a pattern that it would actually crawl through a dungeon. Yeah. And so if you actually do come across one of these bad boys and you get sucked in or you get into a fight, what I find kind of challenging sometimes is describing the battle of a massive block of jello, <laughs> which is why my uh, my little group and I once made a film where we did just that. You fought a, a brick of jello? Yeah. <laughs> we, of course, we would. picked up a massive pot of jello and uh, <laughs> took our swords. It was part of the plot. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Factored in. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's just as anticlimactic in real life <laughs> to hack a sword through Jello. <laughs> it really doesn't fight back much. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so where is all this leading? Well, it's leading to the fact that you got to put a little more thought into how to describe a fight with a gelatinous cube. So, like, different types of attacks. Yeah. So if you've got the bludgeoning, I mean, that's not too difficult because you can just describe the smashing apart of the liquid as it splashes on the walls and kind of burns into some things. Might have a bit of a ripple. Yeah. I I would see this kind of moving more or less like a non-Newtonian fluid. Like those, they've filled big-ass tubs full of non-Newtonian fluids and people are able to run across. So in that sense, you could make an impact with it and it would be kind of hard, but it would be so effortless to swallow you because if you don't hit it with any kind of force, then you just kind of sink into it like it was water. Okay, so when force hits it, it, it kind of hardens up. So you could almost be cracking it in that case if you hit it hard enough. I don't think that's even, I don't think that's necessarily possible with a non-Newtonian fluid, but darn near. Like, it reacts really, really hard. It would react like you were hitting something solid. Yeah. But as soon as you, say, take a slash at it with a sword, then all of a sudden it carves through kind of like jello. Yeah. And I guess with a slashing weapon like that, when you cut through jello with like a spoon or something, it kind of creates that visible cut line like you can see where the spoon went through it yeah just because it like ripples the light yeah so yeah you could have all kinds of slash marks through it you would see those as you were and it might become a little bit more visible than it was before yeah if you had hacked at it a couple of times so then if you do get away from it then you'll see it a little easier the next time you come across it maybe and we did do a little bit of research to try to figure out any kind of experiments that have been done on <laughs> just anything that we could rely on. And we did come across a lot of horrible YouTube experiments. Somebody <laughs> makes a cube of jello and then tries to light it with a lighter. And the video is five minutes long, but it ends with inconclusive. <laughs> it's it like, did good. Great. I'm glad I spent I've, my time on that. Yeah, <laughs> I just wasted five minutes. I don't know, like lightning might actually do some kind of damage, kind of like the way that lightning might rip through a tree and it has those weird little tendrils and it might uh, have an effect on its ability to regenerate, things like, like that. Kind of splits it apart in yeah. certain spots. Yeah, or that makes cool. a weak point. And then, of course, when it's attacking you, it's got all kinds of good stuff that we found. Oh, absolutely. First, you have the fact that it is caustic, like it burns and digests living or organic material. So, you know, this is skin, leather, hair, eyes, teeth. Not my teeth. <laughs> I mean, slowly on the teeth. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just a... It's digested everything of the last adventure except for its nice choppers. <laughs> just in the front. Like a set of dentures you pull out. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, but some of the effects of acid that you could describe in combat are like its dehydrating effects. So if you if it came mm. into contact with your skin through splashing, it would dry it out. Or if you were engulfed by it, then you'd come out of there just like really dried out. You'd be really thirsty. Your yeah. skin would be cracking. Oh, it'd be kind of awful. Oh, yeah, that would be awful. Of course, you got the redness and irritation as well, where Have it starts to burn. touch your skin. Yeah. Yeah. Just like really itchy. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine coming out of a gelatinous cube and... I think you can you can definitely get into the role playing of that as a player because yeah if you get engulfed 
you're coming out of there burnt, like you said, dehydrated. You're probably not ready for more adventures. Like that's that's an excuse to take some downtime yeah. to go like, I need a rest. And then you probably got a pretty massive headache too, which is something that isn't touched on very much. And if you've been dried out that thoroughly, oh yeah, your head's probably banging. Yeah, Jesus. You'd have all kinds of blisters and like Ooh. blackness of skin. Ooh, do you want to get kind of nastier with it? Grosser, yeah. And then I think it'd be really cool to describe being engulfed by it. So the first round that you step into it, you start to feel maybe really icy cold at first, which is Ooh. almost that foreshadowing of like something bad's coming. The pendulum swing. Yeah. And then the second round, you start to heat up and, and every subsequent round, it just gets hotter and hotter and your skin's starting to... Oh, that'd be the worst. And, oh, yeah. I mean, you only have three or four rounds in you anyways, because <laughs> that thing does some serious damage when you've been engulfed. Yeah, yeah. And then don't forget, if you do get a party member out and you're trying to do some first aid, that uh, if you're not actually good at first aid as a character, you're probably going to splash some water on there and that just makes it burn worse if it's acid learned that day one in science class don't pour <laughs> water on acid did you do it did you dip your hand in there <laughs> speaking of being engulfed though one of the other cool things from real world is the pseudopodea or <laughs> the getting fancy on me oh yeah um so it has the the trait of pseudopod and what that actually means is that it can create temporary arms or tendrils that it uses out of its body to attack. Yeah, and this actually comes from cellular biology. So certain cells are able to create tendrils by just pushing their material around and, and creating a, a small arm. I wish I could do that. <laughs> I got a lot of extra mass that I could just push out, <laughs> make another <Gross>. arm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it makes kind of temporary soupy arms so I would see that as how it would definitely engulf you. I have a bit of a, a gripe with its actual attack. The gelatinous cube has an attack, but the only way that I can really describe it would be as like a tendril slap across the face. Yeah, it just kind of like smacks at enemies, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't see the, the gelatinous cube being like, this is going to be my best approach is just to slap <laughs> people with my soup arms. Again, they're not very bright, but go on. Yeah, I would see it as much more using the tendrils to kind of engulf and help pull in material into its form. Yeah. So it just kind of wraps a whole bunch of, of arms around you as it pulls you in. So you could have it do a grapple check instead of like a typical attack if you wanted. Yeah, it would make more sense for the creature. Yeah, that would make way more sense. And it'd be kind of like one of those uh, sticky hands you get in the machines that you buy toys from. <laughs> <laughs> the, That's what we're talking about. The snot hands that yeah. like <laughs> stretch and stick to stuff? Yeah. Ah, I used to slap you in the face with those. Yes, <laughs> I do remember until they got covered in dirt and they no longer <laughs> grabbed anything anymore. So <laughs> there's our basic science for you. <laughs> well, what about movement? How do they move? Well, they're pretty slow in, yeah. uh, in as far as how fast a character can typically move. Most characters in 5th edition have about 30 feet of movement, and these guys move 15 feet. So right. most characters can stay ahead of them. Yeah, and that's kind of like an out that you have in your mind when you're fighting one of these guys, is that you can probably run away if everything goes 
bad. Keeping in mind, though, that if six seconds is a typical round, and it can move 15 feet in a typical round, and if it uses its action as well, then... Double moves to 30 feet. Double yeah. moves to 30 feet in six seconds. That thing is motoring. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's That's pretty, got a good slide. Pretty fast for a terrifying wall of slime. <laughs> I'm not into that. So... Coventry University students actually designed a concept car called 2096. It was a really wild looking thing. It had something that they coined slug drive, which wasn't necessarily <laughs> the sexiest term of, of locomotion Very for a futuristic <laughs> concept yes. car. But the way, uh, the way that it actually worked was it had thousands of tiny little pads on the bottom that basically made a wheel a non-thing, and it would just basically move these thousands of little pads many times in a second forward. So it would just kind of scooch them forward. So very similar to the way that a slug moves, except that it would be totally imperceptible. It would essentially just slide across the ground. And if these pads, if the technology was sufficient enough, they theorized that these pads would help the car move at speeds of like 300 to 400 kilometers an hour. Jeez. So even though it's not, it's moving an inch at a time, it's moving an inch at a time really fast. Yeah, that'd be pretty wild to see. So yeah, you're saying that this this cube would just kind of glide across the floor in a creepy, like what's it actually doing to move? I don't know. Yeah, like I, I was trying to wrap my brain around how I would picture something like this move and yeah. not really like a snake and it probably wouldn't do... I mean, it could do like a wave. Yeah, and like you were talking about the bottom the, wave. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about the hands. It <laughs> yeah. might it might kind of like use... Push itself against or use its little soupy arms to kind of like crawl forward. Yeah, I think that could be... You could either go subtle with it or you could go kind of over the top with it. And I, I imagine it kind of like slapping out against both walls of the tunnel and then using those to just Slide drag itself, itself forward. forward. See, and that's where the slug drive came back in because... I loved the idea of this thing just moving. You couldn't see it move. Yeah. But it was, you know, kind of undulating on the bottom a thousand times across its massive form on the very bottom and just pushing itself through. But the adventurers would not, you, you couldn't even look that closely to see how it was actually pushing itself and propelling so you'd, itself you'd forward. You'd still have that difficult to see cube even when it's moving yeah which it, is pretty terrifying yeah yeah it would just be a, a moving wall of invisibility it's just wild Woo. all right well i think we've kind of exhausted our research for this uh this archives of the ancients so let's move on to the strategy stateroom where we're going to talk about how to use it this is the strategy stateroom where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most All right, so gelatinous cubes were always kind of just intended to be traps. Like, they weren't necessarily to, meant to be a monster that would hunt or anything like that. They were just there. Yeah, and there's some classic ways to use it that work really well. There's the, like we're kind of talking about, the invisible wall in the hallway. You just walk into it. That's kind of how it was envisioned. And that's then you've got a party member that's just hovering, suffocating in acid. Yeah. And you've also got the pit trap. A lot of people go that route, which is also, again, pretty awesome. Instead of spikes, you've got them dropping into an acid cube and you're trying to pull them out and they turn it into a skeleton. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I've even seen on Reddit a few times people suggesting a ceiling trap so it drops on you instead, which you're just not really expecting as an <laughs> adventurer walking down the hallway. But um, we wanted to get into some a little bit more out there ways to use it as well in, in different ways than a trap sense too. So very similarly to how we actually run our games, you went a little bit more high fantasy and and what weird and wild with it. Yeah. And I took mine in more of a gritty realistic bent, uh, more towards uh, something horror-esque. A little more creepy, a little more suspenseful. Yeah. So we're going to start, you're going to take us through a couple of the different ways that you thought to use a gelatinous cube. Yeah, so the first one... I was just running my head through a high-paced encounter instead of a <laughs> slow-paced trap. Okay. So this I, is like the Fast and Furious gelatinous cube version. Very much so. <laughs> okay, lay so, it on me. You can set it up however you want in your game, and this absolutely won't make sense probably in anyone's game. <laughs> but for my scenario, you need some kind of a gelatinous cube production facility on the top of a mountain. <laughs> Who who funded this project? I'm not sure. Either the demon lord himself or maybe a group of wizards. You know. You know how they do. <laughs> They're right. always cooking up grand plans to end the world. Sure. So in in some kind of a production facility heist or takedown, or maybe you're just underneath it in the caves in the mountain, you come out onto the top of the mountainside and there's an explosion from whatever. And all the oozes start rolling down the hill like giants. <laughs> You've got a gelatinous cube avalanche. <laughs> yeah, gelatinous cube snowballs, avalanche that wow. are just plummeting down the mountainside. So you got to find some kind of a uh, a sled to use as the party, either a door to the mountain or a tree or a <laughs> satellite dish. What when you have a wall of gelatinous cubes that are tumbling down a mountain? How are they any different than say a rock slide? Well, they're acid, so they explode into things and they create <laughs> okay. a giant splash of acid. And they're also gaining so much momentum because they're just picking stuff up on the roll down. And so wow. you've got like tree splinters, explosions as well and and stuff like that. So it's a pretty chaotic scene. Sure. <laughs> and um, And so the party rules that you could have when you're on the sled, you could have someone piloting the sled. You could have somebody trying to attack the cubes that are rolling down to explode them before they get too close you could have someone destroying obstacles ahead of you someone trying to pick up speed with the sled to stay ahead so you would run this as like a chase scene absolutely yeah okay. and then of course with any good chase scene you got to have obstacles for them to get around which could be things like fallen trees ravines that you're trying to jump over cliff faces that you're just <laughs> <laughs> coming down hard off wow. of you could have herds of animals like deer or maybe even, you know, an owlbear that he's surprised and is running down in front of you. Uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. I'm I'm all tapped out. I've, that was an adrenaline rush. Good. We didn't even get into it. <laughs> all right. What else you got? All right. So then I've got an environment okay. that I think could be cool for some travel across, which would be a gelatinous lake. So, okay. so you're in kind of a swampy, magical swampy area in which the the lake is full of a gelatinous mass that's not necessarily individual cubes, but it's just full of whatever material they're made of. Okay. And it came from maybe the environment, or maybe there's something on the bottom spawning it. Might be a mystery. 
but you've either got to get across it or to an island on the middle for whatever, you know, your objective is. And to cross it, I think most dramatically, of course, you need a small boat of some sort, either a raft or a canoe that's, you know, pretty easy to tip and fall in, which is super awful to think about. You better make that boat metal because... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, or it's slowly corroding. And that's even scarier. And I think it could be really interesting to have the gelatinous material know that you're there. So maybe it's either slowly attacking you. Mm. Occasionally one of those uh, arms come up. Or in the distance, you just see kind of like swells and waves that come out of nowhere. It's like... I don't understand how these how this works. Yeah, it's not like it's not like it's a windy day and it's creating waves. It's just unnaturally moving. Yeah, and that might and be kind of one of presence. the things you have to watch out for and like roll dexterity checks to not fall out of your boat. <laughs> and of course, it's still invisible. It's still clear. And there might be remnants of other people that have tried to cross this lake at the bottom of the lake. So that's where you've got some treasure or some armor. And it's really tempting to go get it, but <laughs> that's hard to get your tinker gnome to start making a diving bell or something like yeah. that so you can get down to that treasure at the bottom. Acid proof. So yeah, I think that could provide some interesting temptations. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Good. And then my uh, most outrageous idea. Oh boy. I'll keep this short. But a, uh, if you came across a community that used gelatinous cubes as a defensive mechanism. All right. So if you had a uh, defensive wall <laughs> of gelatinous cubes that was one or two cubes high, and one cube high makes sense, or a moat. A moat makes the most sense. One cube high is getting weird. Two cubes high is like, well, how <laughs> did they do that? <laughs> and you've got gelatinous cubes balancing on one another. Yeah. And the reason they are <laughs> is because you've got uh, street lights around the perimeter of your community. <laughs> okay. Then instead of lights, they're hanging uh, rats. Ah, as, to tempt, as the bait tempt the cubes to go straight up <laughs> the carrot on the stick approach to <laughs> yeah. defensive walls and i i saw this approach taken a few times on reddit uh when people were asking what kind of a creature could live inside of a gelatinous cube and okay. what came up was clay golems because they are they don't not only immune to acid but they actually gain health from acid so if your community uh, leaders or wizards had created a couple of these bad boys to keep things in check and to patrol the walls, they could patrol directly through the cubes. They could just waltz on through. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if they take any damage, they just run back to the cube. Wow. That's kind of a cool protector. That That is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some high fantasy juice. I mean, imagine if you had an army that just uh, tried to run straight at the town. There you go. <laughs> they just run into a massive... If you had some means of controlling a gelatinous cube, you could have uh, like a a forward-moving defensive wall. Yeah, there's that too. There you go. Uh, Okay, well, I took a, like I said, a little bit more of a gritty, realistic horror approach. So the, the first one that I kind of came up with was really just some ideas on making the cube more terrifying and kind of foreboding and setting the scene before somebody would encounter a gelatinous cube, say, in a dungeon. The first one being, so you're walking through a dungeon, and the druid rolls uh, a nature check to notice that this particular hallway is devoid of any moss or lichen like the rest of the place. It's kind of dry, like we were talking about. It's sapped all of the moisture out of this particular hallway. Okay, so the air is actually... 
Yeah. Drying out as well. Exactly. It's kind of got that like alcohol. Yeah. Dryness to it. Yeah. Because the gelatinous cube would just simply move down the hallway and it would eat all of that up and let it grow over the course of the next however long. Yeah. So now you've got an unnaturally clean hallway that's kind of throwing people off. Why is this dark, dank dungeon so immaculately clean? And then they come across, well, any inorganic material is not being consumed. So what would count as inorganic material? Basically just metal, because all of your leather boots are being consumed, your belts, your clothes, because it's all cotton. Yeah. So cotton and linen are being completely consumed. So there is nothing left of an adventurer that comes across a gelatinous cube unless they were carrying, say, a dagger and maybe some belt buckles. So if your characters come across a single belt buckle sitting in the middle of the... And, you know, they roll a high perception to just notice that one single belt buckle. What is this? (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. And then they come across one or two more in a perfectly clean hallway. And it's kind of, it's like that uh, breadcrumb trail (laughs) that is just metal bits that aren't super obvious. Like weapons are fine, but I think that's a bigger clue than, yeah, something more subtle like belt buckles or even like, why are they there? Gold teeth. (laughs) Like something like that. Gold fillings, yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, as soon as players come across that single dagger just laying in the middle of the hallway, that's going to be, that's going to really start tipping them off and they're going to be on edge. Yeah. Okay. So my second idea, you've got players wandering through a now clean dungeon. And if that wasn't already kind of tipping them off that something odd is going on, they roll a perception check and the DM says, yeah, you notice there's a figure standing in the hallway. You roll a, let's say a 13 or 14. (laughs) is the highest to actually spot something. And down in the center of the hallway, you see a zombie standing in armor. Okay, so it's above the kind of the typical, sometimes you see a suit of armor or a weapon in the actual gelatinous cube itself. Sure, yeah, as like treasure bait kind of thing. But the problem with that is that you've got a sword floating in midair. So it's pretty clear what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, a a clever player is going to figure that out. However, if their perception is high enough that they notice this zombie standing in a suit of armor, that's going to throw them off a little bit. So they might sit there and try to figure out how to approach. And oh my God, this thing's down there. Why isn't it moving? Uh, What do we do? Should we try to approach? It's still not moving. We threw something out in the hallway to attract it, to distract it. And it's still not moving. What's going on? And now we're going to try to approach it. And as they get closer, maybe, maybe not before it's too late, they notice that it's not, in fact, a zombie. It's an adventure being digested. (laughs) Yeah. So that might get the players close enough without realizing that it's actually a gelatinous cube, but it's just close enough to attack. Yeah. That's a good way to build some tension. And And I think just throwing people off the trail. Yeah. It's just suspended there because anything that the gelatinous cube swallows moves with it. So, yeah, it might have come across a a swarm of rats that now look like zombie rats because (laughs) they're slowly being digested. Yeah, but they're not moving. And then the final one that I had was, what about a community of weirdos that feed a gelatinous cube? I'm kind of going more towards 
Lovecraftian shadow over Innsmouth, kind of the entire town is in on it, and they worship a gelatinous cube in a pit. Yeah. Very similar to a god. That's pretty cool. And so they're being really nice to your party for weeks while you've been staying in town. Everyone's been super nice, offering you a lot of food. <laughs> they might just be fattening you up to throw you into the pit. Yeah, nothing like a creepy community that's a little too nice. And actually, uh, we had we had one of uh, the folks on our Discord, Will, talk about how you could put a gelatinous cube in a pit, but it might escape eventually because after you fed it for, say, years, this thing would eventually stop digesting all of the metal bits that you fed it, and it might actually be able to stand on all of that <laughs> and, and get its way Just out. Just kind of slowly lift itself out of the pit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, they're, they're a doomsday cult. <laughs> they know that the, the cube is going to get out one day. The end is nigh. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Will, for the, uh, the idea there. Yeah, I kind of just like this idea that that the entire town was into it. Or or what about a group of warriors that very similar to the way orcs worship Grumsh and pluck out one of their eyes? They were so so warrior focused, so offensive focused that they would allow, say, one of their their defensive limbs, like their left arm, to be consumed by a gelatinous cube. Okay. Cleanly. Or even, yeah, even either consumed fully or even just, like, marked by it. Yeah. So, like, you dip your arm in. It's kind of like the Fight Club thing, but with your whole arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the acid burn that he does in Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. It's all gross and mangled and... and yeah. yeah. I also like the idea in that community, it wouldn't even need to be a gelatinous cube in a pit. It might be cool to have somebody as, like, the gelatinous cube handler that you don't really know about, and they... They're kind of worshipped as a religious figure, and maybe they lure the gelatinous cube where they want it by just staying ahead of it a little bit. Oh, yeah. So it's just following them, but maybe it follows them right into your room, and it the handler jumps right out the window, and then you've got a gelatinous cube in front of your bed. Oh, to be woken up, consumed <laughs> yeah. by a gelatinous cube? As it just like moves over your bed, and your feet start tingling oh, or something. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, thank suck. you. Uh, all right. Well, if gelatinous cubes aren't terrifying enough, we've got some ideas in Lamashu's breeding pit on how to make them more dangerous. So let's uh, let's go there. All right. This is Lamashtu's breeding pit, where the most vile and deadly of creatures are birthed and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. All right, so the gelatinous cube has a lot of really interesting things that you can do with it already. But as we were getting our wheels turning, we came up with some traits that we think are really cool twists to add to it. And these are kind of just meant to be tacked on to an already existing gelatinous cube. Like, they just make the gelatinous cube that much more dangerous and that much more unexpected. So maybe your players have encountered a gelatinous cube before, but... Now, all of a sudden, they're surprised by just this one additional trait that they're showing. Yeah, you always got to ramp it up a bit. To I mean, the characters don't know, but sometimes <laughs> you got that player that's read the entire monster manual cover to cover. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> so our first trait was, we called it momentum. And it came from that thought of how do you get 50,000 pounds of mass moving? Very difficultly. Yeah, so it would probably start off pretty slow. So instead of just having the standard 15 feet of movement, this would make it so the first round of movement is five feet. 
And so as the party, you're thinking, okay, that's pretty slow. We're still fine. Yeah, you're like a slow walking in front of it. Yeah. And then the next round, it doubles to 10 feet of movement. And then the next round, it doubles to 20 feet. So now it's picking up some steam. And that's starting to get pretty awful. It's like, oh, shoot, we got to get out of the way of this thing. Yeah. And then it finally caps out and it doubles one more time to 40 feet. So just above the average run speed. Yeah. So now you're having to sprint away from it. And again, it can use its action to move as well, which puts it at 80 feet of movement per turn, which that thing is just ripping down hallways now. So to recap, every turn of unimpeded movement doubles the cube's speed to a maximum of 40 feet of movement per turn. So if I threw something in front of the gelatinous cube, that would slow it down and half its speed yeah down yeah that could be cool if that uh, if an obstacle halved its speed down to 20 again but then the next round it just picked right back up again so it gives you a tiny bit of breathing room if you need it but it's still right on your tail so kind of like the juggernaut from x-men it's just as long as it's in a straight line and it's not being impeded in any way it just rolls over everything yeah and maybe around corners you know it like splashes into a corner and then reconfigures itself and starts heading down yeah So the second one, we were thinking about uh, the way that certain animals are able to anesthetize and cause hallucinations, things like the brown recluse spider. Fun fact, there is actual research being done into the proteins within spider venom to help with pain relief. Oh no. Which is pretty wild. So you're saying my doctor's going to start just throwing spiders on me? (laughs) Just dumps out a bag of spiders. <laughs> I don't want that, Doc. This will help your toothache. Uh, no, but seriously, they, yeah, there's tons of proteins in there in spider venom. So what if the gelatinous cube worked something very similarly? So it's a trait called euphoric digestion. So when a creature comes into direct skin contact with a cube, it creates a sense of calmness and ease, which also counteracts any pain felt from its corrosive properties. When a creature is engulfed by the cube, the creature gains the stunned and charmed condition in addition to the rest of the restrained condition that it usually imposes. Okay, stunned and charmed. Stunned and charmed. So charmed means it's, yeah, you're you're persuaded to like this creature and you can't attack it. You cannot make an action to attack it. So if I wander in there, I'm just basking in it while my friends are maybe trying to get me out as they see my skin burning. You're being burned, but, but you're smiling. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, this is really nice, everybody. Yeah, so it, it 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 attaches to those kind of pleasure centers of your brain, and it's taking over, and it's making you feel good, even though it's digesting you. Oh, yeah, that, that creates some uh, tension. And then the stunned property forth. means that you're not going anywhere. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so also you can't necessarily help your comrades get you out of the gelatinous cube. Because you're busy trying to convince them to get in it. (laughs) More or less. (laughs) I mean, you could technically talk. Yeah, with the stunned condition, you can uh, still speak, but very poorly. You might have to have your head poking out of the cube or something. (laughs) Because you are choking to death still. You're just mouthing all's good and you've got your (laughs) thumb up. Blowing bubbles. (laughs) Doing flips. <laughs> Can you move that freely? <laughs> yeah, probably not. 
Okay, uh, the final one is called Pocket Cube. So let's uh, take us through that one. Yeah, so we had some fun with this one because it creates an immediate tension. So once engulfed in the cube, the target disappears into a pocket dimension. And so for the those viewing this, your party member just is gone. You can still see through the creature yeah. to the other side, to the dungeon hallway beyond, but the person has disappeared entirely. So now you're desperate to find out what happened to them. So that's happening on the outside and inside the pocket dimension. It's kind of like that uh, that scene in a lot of movies where it's just like a gray, foggy, dark place you can't see the edges of. Like, uh, like Eleven's... Uh, kind of nightmare world that her hypnosis world that she goes into in stranger things oh yeah there's like a a foot of water on the bottom and that's what's like acid eating you yeah that's exactly it so yeah if you've got acid touching your feet that's doing one one acid damage per round it kind of creates that tension you've got to get out of there it's pretty minimal and it's meant to attack slowly but you can't just lay down and take a break and as well as that you've got other creatures that have wandered into this pocket dimension as well. And so you've got maybe some corroded rats or some, what do we have? We created a table so you could have a zombie in there, a giant rat, a goblin, a giant wolf spider, things like that. The adventurer that gets swallowed is still not out of combat. So combat's happening all at the same time. You're players on the outside are trying to figure out how to hack at this thing and get you out and then on the flip side you're fighting on the inside trying to stay alive while you're being slowly digested and fighting the half-eaten animals that are still in the cube and you might get a particularly bold ally that runs in with you and now you're both fighting but then the people on the outside are still trying to take it down and as soon as it as soon as you kill the gelatinous cube from the outside Everything that was in this pocket dimension kind of just comes into existence in this space. Yeah. That could certainly add a lot more... uh, Chaos? Chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Make it interesting. We are the bringers of chaos. (laughs) So all of these these new traits are going to be available on our Patreon. uh, So you can just go ahead and download them. Patreon.com forward slash hook and chance. Yeah, download the PDF of some of these new traits if you want a little reminder. Uh, we also have that table. It's just a D10, but you got a couple of different options there for creatures that you might encounter within the cube itself. And that'll just about wrap up this episode. So thanks again to Will, who's a contributor on our Patreon, and he joined us in our Discord chat for this episode to give us some ideas. Our Writer's Room Discord, and yeah. uh, that's where we discuss some of the contents of the episode as we're writing them. And thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you hear in all the segment breaks. And you can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. And, you know, you can always uh, find us there. Talk to us about what you like. Talk to us about what you don't like about our episodes. We're always uh, excited to hear from anybody that wants to pitch in. And uh, thanks for listening and play great games. Play great games!